Welcome to episode 184 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. On today's episode, we preview the Pac-12 for the last time ever, talk about the Johnny Manziel documentary, and discuss what other college football docs we would like to see made. We debate our favorite player props for the season and finish the episode with an interview with J.D. Piquel of On3 Sports. You find the show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com and Apple and Spotify. During the season, join us for the live recording of the show every Sunday at 8 Eastern time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. You can find clips from the show on Twitter at SatDownSouth and at SatFBUncensored on Instagram and TikTok at SaturdayDownSouth. And you can find us on YouTube at SaturdayDownSouth. And now, here's the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, my co-host, Chris Marler. Chris, how you doing today, buddy? Oh, fantastic. We're like, we're back on StreamYard, which I'm pretty pumped about, I'll just say it. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. It's happened. already working a thousand percent better. A thousand percent better. Just a thousand percent better. Um, I don't know if the angles are going to look as good or on the back end, but you know, that's why we have black shirts like I'm wearing right now. But I'm fired up. Like, here's the thing. I was talking to J.D. Piquel about this, and that is every year after media days, it feels like, because it's like such a slog of a time that like it takes to get into, to get to football season. And then you get to media days, and after media days, it's just like, feels like it's just rolling. And I looked at the, the calendar yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday the 9th, which means it, we're like, we're, we're two weeks out from having a podcast previewing actual games dumb yeah i love it i'm i love it i can't wait man i'm just getting so excited for for the season um it's good when your team finally is relevant again i will say it helps with the excitement um speaking of of getting excited for the season there was a, a documentary that came out recently yeah uh about johnny football and you had the opportunity to watch it. I started watching it when I got home from work today, and yeah. I didn't get to finish it, but I got the gist of it. Um, what do you think? Yes, you did. So it was good. I thought it was nothing. Awesome. Nothing too uh, like surprising. I did. Th- I think I thought it was funny that the whole like oil money thing was completely made up. So okay, I had so <laughs> many takeaways from like my favorite parts of it that were just kind of like blew my mind. A little backstory in this. Um, Billy Lucci, who was a big part of the show from Texags, uh, met him. So, I, I, like, as we're going to media days, he he followed me like the day before, and I was like, "That's odd," because we never talked before. He's like, you know, big big name, all kind of stuff. And so then we, when I was leaving the bar that one night, and I saw Doring and Dari and all them, Billy was with him, and I was like, "Hey, man, I'm Chris." And he's like, "I know who you are. Yeah, I see your shit on my my, my feet all the time." So just kind of talked to him, hit it off. And then, you know, like we're all went out like the next night and drinking stuff like that. And he he shared a few behind the scenes stories that I'm not going to share. We're going to have him on in a few weeks and we'll see if he wants to share them then. But incredible stuff. And what I was most surprised about off the bat was how honest they were about the partying because it was <laughs> like it was out of control. Yeah. It was out of control. But it was awesome in so many ways. And I think that like, like, I think. The oil money thing, the fact they just made that up and it became like, like, by that, it, it became like the Bible. Like, that's yeah. everyone just assumed that was real. 
Skip Bayless, like he comes from oil money. I I I thought that every day of my life until I saw the thing two days ago. Like, yep, yeah, that's crazy. Did. Yeah, and and so like the way they did it, he and, and they're like 19 years old, and his buddy Nate, who's like in the in the dock, made this comment. He goes, "But I knew our excuse, or like you know, it was we had an immaculate defense." And I was like, "This is gonna be stupid," because no 19 year old has an immaculate defense of anything, right? And, and it was like it was it was perfect. It was perfect. What were I mean, you? What was? From, how far did you get into it? So I got, I stopped it right before we got on here to record. Actually. Um, I got right to the point. He just got back from suspension. Or no, I'm sorry. He had just uh they had just come up with the oil money story. Like they had just right. come up with that. Yeah. That's that's where I kind of left off. Okay. So the best part about the like okay. The the story where he comes in and I forgot Cliff Kingsbury was the OC. Yeah, I did too. I, I like they they did a tremendous job of setting the backdrop. The only complaint I've heard about it from some people is you know, it was too short. And I think I think the, the issue with they're really trying to say, and this is something I said to Billy, was like, I, I could have watched that for another three hours. I could have sat there and listened yeah. to more of his stories for like for three more hours because it's a fa- it's a fascinating tale. But the other part of it is that like he had it was so quick, but so was his stardom. Like that if you I look back at it today and looked at the the Heisman like betting odds as late as October 25th of 2012. So three weeks before they played, or two weeks before they played the Bama game, he wasn't even listed. Colin Klein, the the kid from Kansas State, was like four to seven. He was the overwhelming favorite. Like like Matt Barkley, Geno Smith had the second best odds. AJ McCarron was up there. Like all those guys, he wasn't even anywhere to be found on there. Um, and then as soon as that Bama game happened, he took off. And, you know, like you had this offseason where I'll never forget that offseason going into 2013. He starts having all these things come up, like where he's partying with Drake and he's going out all the time. And, and like, he's like, so wild. So wild. Like, they said at one point, like, he was at some party and Jessica Beale and Justin Timberlake were there and they were shocked to meet him, which is like insane. Yeah, yeah that is. Yeah. But they had, they had all that. And I, I thought it was really, really well done. I loved how candid he was with it. I felt a little bit bad about some of the stuff. Like, like we've we've talked about here. Like it was so <clears throat> fun fact about uh, me, and this is like the worst kept secret I think that I've had in a while. But yesterday was like a hundred days where I haven't taken Adderall, which was good for me because I've used it for such a long time and it was really tough. Yeah. So watching this doc and watching this dude struggle with like what he was struggling with, like the five million dollar pender. Was like insane. Five million dollar bender made me feel a lot better on myself for one. Yeah. Two, some of the stories he was sharing, it was like I felt bad because I know I remember making a sign for game day that said like Johnny Eight Ball or something like that, and then like, Jeez. yeah, I know. Like, I mean, like I was, yeah, it was not a good move on my part. But everyone was giving him so much shit, and like even now, people were saying how they didn't want to watch it because he was a brat and he was conceited, he was arrogant, and then you find out he's like diagnosed with bipolar disorder, like you know, like well after his career and he's dealing with all this fame and money and all that kind of stuff, new money we didn't know about in like, and he's doing all of that. And it's like 19 to 22 years old. And I just can't fathom how, how insane of a situation that would have been from that, that rise to start on that quickly. Yeah. It, it's look, it, it's one thing just to be 
any normal 19, 20, 21 year old that rises to that level of stardom yeah. at that age. On top of it, you've got some other issues that yeah. <laughs> make it a little bit worse. <laughs> a $5 million bender, though. I, after I can't really even imagine what that looks like. I can't even fathom what that looks like. I mean, I've blown a paycheck before. I haven't blown five mil, five million. And so here's the thing, too. Up How do you even do day, that? How did I do it? I know. No, not you. <laughs> no, you did it. Okay. Um, no, so what was crazy about watching it, <laughs> you, Tyler, I know how you did it. Um, no, but like I, when I was watching it, what was crazy to me was anytime I saw him like with like the money and like him spending stuff, I, there's never been a time in my life where I've watched Johnny Manziel and thought, oh, well, that sucks for him. He spent all of his money because I just assumed he came for money. Yeah. And he did it. And it's, so it's like that part is so crazy. I, I tell you what, my favorite part of the whole show, possibly, that I laughed at harder than anything. Like, there's one part of the show where they're going over him and Nate's, Pepper says hello. Um, they're going over him and Nate's, like, like bucket list that they had made together. These guys are like, like just the epitome of bros. Just yeah, like make the million bros. Dollars. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, and it's like, and it's written down. Here's like everyone want to meet. And it, so then like they have this list of their bucket list of who they want to meet. And it's like Manziel's was like Warren Buffett, Drake, like, you know, Brady, MJ, Tiger Woods. And then what's his name? Nate's. It's like Snoop Dogg. <laughs> a, a couple of athletes, I want to say. Like some big names. And at the very bottom five on his bucket list. This 19-year-old kid in 2013 wrote Meg Ryan, and I <laughs> lost my shit. It was like it was one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen. Maybe it was a call to Billy Madison. Who knows? She wasn't in that. No, but you remember the scene when he's like Meg Ryan now, or oh, I don't remember that. Part. Jack Nicholson now, or 1974. Meg yeah. Ryan. Oh, okay. um yeah maybe it was that also last thing i don't know if you made it to this far yet but the number of the amount of money that they've raised like that year he was there the, oh. the valuation was like 37 mil in, in free publicity that he got from the from the heisman which i think oh. is so that that texas a&m got right right yeah there's no way that's accurate there's just no way i, I don't i don't think it's accurate at all um it has to be way more than that because then what they also said was the the total amount of money raised from donors in one calendar year, one calendar year, Tyler. Do you want to take a guess? A hundred million. $740 million in one calendar year is what they, they raised from what they called the wealth man, like the, which was pretty good as a, as a guy who loves puns. I was pretty pumped about that one. Um, the the wealth seven hundred forty million dollars in one year, which was three hundred million dollars more than any other year they've had in the history of the of the university. It's insane. Yeah. Well, uh, watching this, and you know, we know the the University of Florida documentary is coming out soon, which I can't wait to watch. That uh, got us thinking: what would be some some maybe some instances or some teams or some players that you'd want to see a documentary made of you want to, you want to go first? I, I, I came up with go some five good ones, I think. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so basically 
everywhere from when Larry McTunsell was in high school getting recruited. Oh, yeah. The whole recruiting process going to Ole Miss and then all the way up to draft night with the whole gas mask thing. Yeah. I think that would be a great documentary. I like that. Now, okay, here's a question, too. In these hypothetical docs, are they going to tell the full truth about what happened? Yeah, you have to. Cam Newton, right off the bat. I got to oh, know. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, and yeah. it's not even if like, cause it's a, it's also fascinating. I say this a lot on here. So people probably remember it now, but people really forget the fact that like, I remember looking at rivals three weeks before he was committed and his final three schools coming out of Blinn Juco were Kansas state, Tennessee, and Mississippi state. Like Auburn was nowhere to be found. And, and like some of the stories coming out of there with, with, with Chiswick and some of the stuff he even told me and Connor that like, I would love to see, I mean, like that dude, was the whole team the oh, whole yeah. team? Yeah, so I was he got fired the next year, didn't he? Two years later, okay, yeah. Um, the whole Bobby Petrino fiasco, yeah. Wait, which part though? Like the whole scooter, like the, the whole wreck on the yeah, then and, and going to the podium, and just like everything that was going on off the field at Arkansas during that time, yeah, with him would be awesome. Um, I like that. I hate to I hate to say this, but you brought up Petrino, so it, it just reminds me of it. But the what do you call it? The uh, the Brian Harson situation from last oh. year. Oh, I would love like because the stuff that I've heard from like good sources is fucking wild. <laughs> it's just like it is wild. So I would love okay. to hear that. Um. USC from like early 2003 to 2006, just off yeah. the field with the whole liner thing. And everyone knew he was like out and about Reggie yeah. Bush with the whole uh, agent, like the whole scandal where they took his Heisman away. And then like a lot of people forget Mark Sanchez, 2006 arrested for sexual assault while he was at USC. I did not know that. Yeah. A lot of crazy stuff happened during that time period. So I think, and plus they were one of the greatest I mean, talk about like a – I don't know if you could consider it a dynasty because it was a short run, but, man, those teams, God, they were good. They were fun to watch. And it was great because they were on the West Coast, so always a night game. Always. I, yeah. I, I remember where I was in the Fresno State game where Reggie Bush stopped on a dime. I was sitting with Jason King. Uh, and yeah. I, I will say that, like, one of my favorite moments – I'll never forget this, and I, I think I've told you or shit before, me and Jason – so those of you who don't know Jason King, it's – my one of my best friends, one of our both of our best friends, he was Tyler's best friend in high school, and then I lived with him in college. There was there was some game they were playing Arizona State when they were in the middle of that run. They were down by like three touchdowns, and it, within minutes, I mean, just within minutes, they're up 28-21. And yeah. and I remember them flashing the camera over to Lindell White, and he's just got his arms like laid back on the on the bench, and he just goes, "We too dominant, we too dominant." <laughs> and I was like, "They are that that like they did they did a doc on that." like pretty well, but also like, I, I would love to know some more of like the stories behind like the parties and, and all that kind of stuff. Cause that was a oh, different, yeah. different time. Um, oh, yeah. Let me think here. I feel like there would be, I tell you what, this probably should have made the top of the list and you could put any part like from 2009 on Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Just it's, a multi-year documentary. Yeah. Like the, the, what happened at Tennessee Getting left on the tar- he got left on the tarmac at USC, That's and then pretty- comes in with Saban and like, I 
like the, I would, I thought about this today and it's cause I'm still petty because we all love Lane Kiffin now. I just, I mean, he left midweek for that 2016 national championship game midweek. And yeah. I, he kind of made a turn, you know, like people used to hate, like everyone used to hate him. Now he's kind of beloved in a sense. I think it's his, his Twitter game, honestly. Yeah. Um, Last one here, just an entire life story or maybe just career story on Mike Leach. Yeah, that'd be good. Just to hear all the different stuff behind the scenes. Remember when he was like accused of like locking people in a shed? Like, dude, it'd be fun. Craig James's son. Yeah. It was, I'll never forget. They they showed something during a game. It was like in Craig James is announcing. And it was this like smoking hot girl in the stands, and it and she went viral on Twitter immediately. And I remember posting something about I'd lock my son in the shed to have an hour with her, and like it like took off. <laughs> it was like pretty bad, but um, yeah, I, I love all those. I, the only other one I could think of that, like I would I would love to have like a Pony Excess doc updated about recruiting in the SEC. I would I would yeah. love to know, just like you said, the Larry Tunsil thing. The Dodge Charger situation with some of these schools, like yeah. I, I just would, I would love for one day now that it's legal for all that that shit to come out. Oh yeah, how they used to, how boosters used to get around certain the the, the unique ways they would get around it. Like we would, we had heard like you know someone's mother selling art on Etsy for like three hundred grand. Yeah, you know and stuff like that. Like just the the interesting ways to pay players before it became legalized. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I got, man. I think those would be good. Um, player props. So we've – I am excited about gambling season. <laughs> I don't know about you. But uh, um, player props, they're always fun. You know, they're they're like lighthearted bets. You can't bet a lot of money on props. They're just fun to kind of – No. Yeah, the, the limits oh. are – Oh, yeah, fair. The limits are not high. Um, well, you know, what's frustrating about that is it's the payoff should be more because it's a season long thing, and it it pisses me off strictly because I went back and watched our SEC video from last year, and, and we went three for three. Yeah. Well, I found some some player props that I like. Um, I actually tried to do one from each Power Five conference. I thought we were just doing Pac twelve, so I oh. I I have two for the Pac twelve, and that's it. Okay. Well, let me list off some that are not in the Pac-12, and then we'll do the Pac-12 before we preview the Pac-12. I love it. Okay. First one I like. Um, let's start in the Big 12. Will Howard over 19 and a half passing touchdowns. I like that. Love that. Um, he only started five games last year, and he threw 15 in those five starts. And Kansas State has maybe the best O-line in the Big 12, so he should have a lot of protection. like that one. In the Big 10, Nick Singleton over 10 and a half touchdowns um yeah well he had 12 last year um they fed him the ball a ton where i could lose this bet is the backup or i don't know if he's necessarily a backup but katron allen also had 10 touchdowns last year uh-huh um so he could get vultured there uh in the he acc also like just strictly from like that these are just strictly regular season odds yes okay um, and the ACC had to go with my guy, Jordan Travis over 2,750 and a half passing yards. Yeah. Um, he had 3,200 last year. They have a better offense this year, I think by a lot. Um, 
you add Jaheim Bell, Keon Coleman. Yeah. I think they may want to pad the stats a little bit for potential Heisman run if things are going well. Uh, where I could lose the bet, a lot of these shitty ACC games, if Florida State's up big, he might be sitting a lot in the second half. So he brought that up. Uh, and then in the SEC, I've got Brock Bowers over eight and a half receiving touchdowns. He only had seven last year, but I think with a new QB, new OC, not only is he the best tight end in the country, but he's also going to be the best safety valve for a yeah. new QB who's in a new system. Um, so I like Brock Bowers over that. Let's get to the Pac-12. Well, okay, out- so first thing I want to say, too, about the Brock Bowers thing, because I, I, I saw this on DraftKings today at seven and a half, which I love that. Okay, um, yeah, the, I had mine from FanDuel. Okay, so... I was shocked the number was that low. I remember so last year when I'm talking about like what we did for our, our picks, Bryce Young had like over 3,700 something passing yards. I said it was going to be under. It, the Hinden Hooker numbers were 2,700. I said that was going to be over. He did that in like eight weeks, and then Brock Bowers was 10 and a half touchdowns. Georgia historically has only had one 1,000 yard receiver in like the last 20 years. Brock Bowers last year. Now this is like with the extra like 15 games he had 942 uh rece- or rece- receiving yards but I said he was going to go under 10 and a half because he had 13 in year 1 but you know three of those were in the in the postseason right like yeah. people forget this is one of the deepest receiving cores that they're going to have in the SEC yep but I do love that Bobo will probably go to him a lot like you said in the safety valve thing What's crazy about this is he had seven total touchdowns, like you mentioned last year. He only had five in the regular season. He also yeah. only had 645 total receiving yards. Yeah, kind of kind of shocking, but I like him to, to go over the touchdowns this year. I like him over 725 receiving yards. And okay. I like that a lot. Um getting to the pack getting to the pack 12. Now I did some research on some of oh, these. God. And I am fired up to share it. Okay, as as with anything, we're gonna like if we're gonna talk about sports, we're gonna talk about it in reality, and we're gonna do our research, and we're gonna be somebody that you can trust. Here you go. Now, um, Caleb Williams is obviously the player that you look at immediately, and and like his numbers jump on the page. He's a defending Heisman winner, had forty two touchdown passes last year, all that good stuff. Um, his number for total yards, passing yards in um, the regular in this regular season, is thirty thirty five hundred and a half. So thirty five hundred yards. He's got to get to thirty five oh one. His total touchdown passes in the regular season through twelve games thirty two and a half. Okay. Now this is not my lock, but I do like it, and let me tell you why. Um, this guy, or Lincoln Riley's offenses have been ranked top 10 nationally in passing yards and yards per attempt in five of his six years as a head coach. They were fourth last year at USC. So top 10 nationally in passing yards and yards per attempt. They're not just throwing it a bunch. They're throwing it down the field. Uh, They've been top five in yards per attempt in four of those six. The other reason I like it, Caleb Williams is not going to be coming out of those games. Like unless he's injured, that USC defense gave up 35 or more points in six of their last eight games. Only 32 of his 500 attempts, only 32 of his 500 attempts came in games where they were up by 15 plus points. A majority of his work came when they needed him to work. So I like him over 3,500 yards passing. And I, I like, I like him over 32 and a half. 
Thank you very much. I love the reasoning. Now, are you ready for the lock of the year? Let me give mine, and then you give the lock of the year. Yeah, you go ahead. My bad. Hopefully, it's not the same one. Shit. Probably is. Love the team this year to to preview my picks um, in the Pac-12. Maybe. Love the offense. Michael Penix. Yeah! Over 3750 passing yards. Oh, we're cooking now on Saturday football on Censor, baby. Dwayne the Lock Johnson. Yes. Lock it in right now. That is, it is. Go ahead, tell me why. Tell me why, and then I'll add on to it. We'll just, we'll bad talk. Well, first off, I just want to point out that he threw for 4,641 yards last year. Yeah. Uh, he returns all of his top playmakers, all five leading receivers from last year back on the team. The offense is everything surrounding the offense goes through Michael Penix. Everything. And I I love it. I love the bet. Um, okay. Are you want me to add on to that confidence? I do. I do. How many total yards do you say he threw for? Four thousand six hundred and forty one. But but Tyler, these are regular season numbers. Oh yeah. So well, how many could it have been in the regular season? Oh, I'll answer it for you. 4,354 regular season passing yards. He hit it by over 600 total yards. That's over 50 yards a game, okay? Now, here's another reason I love this. That offense, so he threw the ball an average of 42 times per game in against Pac-12 opponents. 42 times. Love it. They are going to throw the football. Um, and you know why I also know that? Because their offensive coordinator who shunned Bama – and two and a half million dollars to go back to rainy Seattle with, with what he has on offense. Uh, his offense threw 59% of their plays. 59% of their offense, their offensive play calling, were pass plays. Love it. Gamble responsibly, folks. Gamble responsibly, for sure. Now, here's another thing that I really like about this. They played 10 Power 5 opponents last year, Tyler. They gave up 29 points per game. In those 10 games, it wasn't like that the offense was coming on the field or had any big leads that they had to manage. And I'll tell you another thing that I also like six of their last nine games, Tyler, were one score games. And even better than that, six of their last eight were one score games going into the fourth quarter, which means the only ones that weren't were Colorado and Washington State. Actually, Washington State was a one score game, which means. You're going to get all four quarters of football out of Michael Penix and this offense. And that defense is still going to be bad. They are going to put up a ton of yards. And here's another thing that's scary, too. The 3,750-yard passing, that was in year one in the system. Now he's in year two. That's the lock of the year. Dwayne the lock Johnson, lock it in. Love it. Uh, Let's just stick with the Pac-12 here and do a little preview. Um. The Pac-12, this is the last year of the conference, so RIP. Uh, But you know what? They're going out strong because this is a legit conference this year. You go pretty much, you know, top to bottom. Even the bad teams, you know, Colorado's, their their win total is three and a half. Yeah. There's still intrigue there with with Prime there. So, but you got USC, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, UCLA, Utah, um, this is a really strong conference, and um, 
I'm excited to do this preview, actually. I, the more I was yeah. going through these teams, the more I got excited about it. Where do you want to start? Not Oregon State. Um, I mean, it makes the most sense to start with USC because that team is, again, the highest-ranked team in the, con- or in the conference coming into the season. I think they're top six pretty much everywhere. Um, now, I will say this. They're not as trendy of a pick to make the playoff this year as they were last year. Correct. I haven't seen that as, as many as, as in as many places. Um, we talked about this with JD Piquel a little bit later in the show in the interview. I said we start with USC. Expectations. What what do you have for expectations here? So last year they won ten plus games for the first time since 2017. So it's been a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I don't like about this is that they led the nation in turnover margin last year, plus 97. A lot of interceptions. No. no. Yes. They were not plus 97. That's not right. That can't be right. That's like... Oh. That's thanks, like thanks, Stat Boy, for... Uh, you're supposed to correct the thing. game. <laughs> it does seem a bit extreme. <laughs> not every game. Correct. <laughs> Either way, they led the nation in, in turnover margin. Yes. Okay. My bad. The, these these things tend to change. Yes. Um, Caleb Williams, obviously Heisman winner. He's back. This is, you know this is the, this is only the second time in Lincoln Riley's career he's had a returning quarterback. Plus twenty one. I did not know that. I did not know that. Um, it's technically year three. True. Um, he loses Jordan Addison. He loses Travis Dye, the leading rusher. Top two offensive linemen. Yeah. I think the offense could be just as good, though. Um, Marshawn Lloyd. Remember, he transferred in from South Carolina. We like him. Yeah, we do um, like him. Austin Jones was solved for them last year. They have a top five wide receiver room still, even with Jordan Addison gone in the country. O-line should be strong. The win total of ten and a, or nine and a half. I think obviously comes down to Alex Grinch and yeah. he's under the microscope on the defensive side. Track record would tell you that they're going to have an improved defense this year because Grinch has done it in every stop. He's yeah. improved his defenses before he's left. They had the transfer portal hard along the D-line. Bear Alexander, everyone knows, from Georgia, Texas A&M's Anthony Lucas, amongst others. They've got former five-star Corey Foreman back. I think the defense will improve. Um, here's the thing that I that scares me. First six games of the schedule yeah, are extremely yeah. easy. Yeah. Final six games, look at this schedule to finish the year. At Notre Dame, Utah, at Cal, Washington, at Oregon, UCLA. No buys. That's tough. I, that's a very, very tough. That's a very um, tough end. That, like, I, I mean, that is that's a gauntlet is what it is. They don't play Oregon State, which is good. Um, I'm trying to find Washington real quick because, of course, I didn't look at this beforehand. Um, they don't play any of those teams the, who has a bye before them, it looks like. Okay. Um, which is good. Um, you, like that's, that is going to be a tough, tough stretch. Like you, you don't get challenged in the first half of the year. That being said, I'm taking the over on the nine and a half. Um, I, I'm a believer in USC. Caleb Williams is a beast, uh, as we've highlighted already. And they still have a ton of talent. Um, you got Mario Williams back, Taj Washington on uh, at receiver. Dorian Singer transfers in from Arizona. He had over a thousand yards last year. You got two five-star freshmen in Zachariah Branch, Kai Lemon. 
Deuce Robinson, the number one tight end in the nation, is at uh, USC. So plenty, plenty of offense to go around. I think the defense improves. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch USC this year, man. I'll give you a bold take. I said it on the on the show with JD Bacal. I think USC finishes third in the Pac-12 this year. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I I think that getting challenged late. I do like what you said about the schedule a lot. They have one team the entire season that is an off week before them. They do get a bye before the Pac-12 championship if they're able to get in it, which I think is huge. All of that is great, and I love how that lines up. But I tell you what, man, like some of those games back to back, like you don't you don't have a tough three to four game stretch like you would have in the SEC. But Notre Dame on the road, Utah at home. Cal's going to be sneaky good because they got a really good running back and the offense is going to be better than people think. Um, that being said, then you then you come back and you get Washington then out of Oregon. Like November's not going to be easy. And, and you know. And you got UCLA who's going to be, I mean, by that time, we'll preview UCLA too. But, I mean, they've got the number one QB from last year, Dante Moore. Yeah. Um, that's the last game of the season. I mean, by that point, he's not really a freshman anymore, as they say. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's a, it's a tough it's a tough end of the schedule. Uh, so you're going under on USC nine and a half. I, I, I think. am. I am. All right, you want to pop over to UCLA then, real quick? Yeah, that's fine. I, I mean, I don't have much to say about them. They've done a good job in the portal. I feel like, and they also got. I mean, like it seems like Chip Kelly has that thing going. Yeah. So nine wins last year was the most since 2014 for them. Um, but man, you got a lot leaving that team. You've yeah. got. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who is actually the, I think he has, he's the all-time leader in total offense in program history at UCLA. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you lose Zach Charbonnet, who was the leading all-purpose player in the country last year between rushing and receiving. Right. Um, they did have a really good portal class come in. Um, I think there's a lot of variance here because if Dante Moore is good, like really good from mm -hmm. day one, UCLA could be sneaky. Yeah. Um, but if they have to go with like Ethan Garbers, who's been in the program for a while before Moore's ready, or they got this kid transferred in from Kent State, I I'm taking the under just because of the I, I there's there's a lot of uncertainty. They right. have a new DC as well, third DC in three years. I don't like that. Interesting from uh from that that I saw the the new DC is 33 years old. He's Anthony Lynn's son. How is that possible? <laughs> So, um, what's their yeah, over under? It's uh, it's eight and a half. That's oh, that sucks. Vegas knows Vegas knows something. Yeah. So I'm taking the under under. It, Coastal Carolina at home to kick off the year is gonna be fun because you know that that'll be. Um, that is the thing I love about their schedule. You know, they have three weeks. They have Coastal Carolina at San Diego, or I think yeah, some, San Diego State, and then NC Central. So if you do want to get Dante Moore, but then that first game is at Utah, which Utah right. doesn't lose at home. Um, so, but I don't know. Maybe you're right. At that point. You're right. But also, here's another thing, too, is what one thing I really like about about this team from and I know they lost a lot. Right. Like like in Phil Steele's magazine, you've got 16 returning starters, nine on the defense. But when you look at what they did. Now, you got your ass kicked at Oregon, right? That was a 9 versus 10 team. You were undefeated, and, and you were 6-0 and going into that game. You lost by double digits. I think it was close going into the fourth. I don't remember. Um, you end up going you, – you're back in the top 10 for most of the year. The last three games, 
They were a 20 point favorite at home to Arizona and lost by six. Oof. Yeah. Then, then they played USC lost by three. Then in the bowl game, they played Pitt and lost by two. So they lost three of their last four games. They were all one score games. I, I don't see necessarily losing to Arizona again. USC is going to be tough because like, it's always tough. But the schedule lines up pretty well. You, you get Utah, but you don't get Washington. You get at Oregon State. Like, I mean, Washington State at home, at Oregon State, at Stanford, Colorado. That's your month of, of October. You're 3-1, and one, no matter how you look at that. Then you look at November, at Arizona, Arizona State, at USC, and then Cal. You're 3-1 and one again. So I think nine wins is not off the table. I just don't trust them to not lose a game they shouldn't lose. So yeah. I'm not going to – I wouldn't bet on this, but I do think it's a good pick the way that schedule sets up and what they could have. And also Dante Moore, man, he is a perfect quarterback for Chip Kelly's offense. Yeah. I, I'm excited for whenever he's ready to go. Maybe yeah. it's game one, maybe it's game five. Um, I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, let's do, just for talking Coach Prime, let's do Colorado real fast. There's only three and a half win total. Um, game to play. This is the most turnover of a roster in a one-year period we've ever seen in college football. Uh, so there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. Um, no returning receivers on the team at all. Uh, no returning passers on the team at all. Only two defenders off the total roster on Phil Steele that actually had a statistic is back. Um, what? This is how bad they were. were they were 0-11 when allowing 21 points or more. <laughs> <laughs> so, But here's the thing. Tyler, they scored 20 points or more three times last year. <laughs> well, there you go. There's the stat. Uh, that's why they only have one win. Um, It'll be interesting. I mean, you got Shador Sanders coming in. They they hired a really good OC. He was the head coach at Kent State. Like they play like a breakneck uh, pace offense. Cavassier Smoke from Kentucky is out Love there that. running back. Um, you got Travis Hunter at wide receiver. Um, you know the their their defense was abysmal last year. Awful. I mean they they had nine total sacks last year. Nine. They total. they gave up forty or more points in. Holy shit. In 10 of their 12 games. Dude, they're, they're, they were so bad. And, I mean, that's why you had the the huge turnover. Yeah. Um, and, obviously, you know, Coach Coach Prime wanted to make a, an impact in year one. At corner, now you have the two top, you know, Travis Hunter and Cormani McLean, yeah. the two top corner prospects from the last two classes. So, I mean, uh, but three and a half wins, I just – I still don't think they, – they, their O-line is horrendous horrendous yeah. uh so i still think under is the play i'm not gonna touch it i hope they lose every game they play and and, and it's and strictly this is gonna be petty as shit and i don't care it's strictly because i saw today that rj young has them in the top 20 <laughs> top 20 in the country come on come and on, the only RJ. reason why the only reason behind it is well tcu at five and seven the year before and then played for a national title you tell me that colorado couldn't win four games i'll tell you what man what I, I don't know about that, but what I am telling you is that Colorado lost 11 last year. The only one they didn't, they won in overtime by seven against Cal. The lowest point spread they had all season was plus 13 against Arizona. Listen to some of these point spreads. Plus 31, plus 34, plus 30, plus 30 against Washington. They lost 54 to seven. Like, 
they Utah plus 29. I mean, they got their their brains beat in almost every game. They went to Air Force and got beat by 31. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, like that is that Ew. is tough to do. Um, and I tell you the other thing is too, when you date back, I know all these people are gone, so maybe none of that matters anymore, but they've got three wins in their last uh in their last 18 games. And one was the overtime game I told you about by by seven uh, against Cal, and the other two are by three points apiece. Yikes. This is a program that struggled. I don't know if they know how to win, but also like you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Like it's he's in a good spot, and I'm glad he's there instead of Auburn because like I don't know if Coach Prime gets a chance to win at Auburn with with some of the stuff. I also don't know what that looks like in terms of how he'd recruit. Like you said, the passing game should be better. They're they're going to do something at some point that people will get excited about. And I don't yeah. know, like, like I, maybe they have a chance to beat TCU. I don't know, but I'm, I'm just already so over hearing about this. And there's a reason why Vegas set the line for Shadir Sanders, who, who I've heard all off season from that one person is he's one of three quarterbacks that had 40 touchdowns and less than six intercept interceptions. Excuse me. Vegas set the line at 19 and a half. Touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he's the offense. So Vegas right. is seeing it there. Come on. Well, yeah, I I am in your camp of rooting for the demise, but you know, yeah, I don't want to be petty either. Can we talk about the um, greatest football state in the country right now? Oregon, Oregon. Well, you want to start with Oregon State or Oregon? All right, so let me just say this before we start. Uncle Chris is in a very healthy place right now. I mean, <laughs> I am, I really am. And I know I said this last year, it was totally a lie. I was, I was, I was, <laughs> um, but I'm in a very healthy place right now. And I feel really good about myself and all those things. I have a new Corgi that is named after a Mexican themed food, which is like all the boxes are being checked. Okay. Yeah. We'll see if we can go out and find, find John ant again, you know, like, we'll, we'll figure it, we'll figure it out. That being said, I'm going to try my, I'm not going to be petty about Oregon state. I think it's stupid. They don't have a home right now in conference realignment. It's a, it's a program that went to an elite eight in the last three years that has played for national championships in baseball in the last five years and won in the last five years, first round draft pick or number one overall draft pick, Adley Rutschman killing it at the Orioles football. You won 10 games last year. You beat an sec team by almost 30 points. Oregon state's gonna be fun to watch, man. They're going to be fun to watch. And, and, and I really, really am excited to say or to see this, I think this year, because I think I think the Pac-12 championship goes through that state. I love Oregon State over eight and a half. Yeah. Um, last year, uh, 10 wins for the first time since 2006. Right. Two of their three losses that they had were by a total of three points. Total. Yeah. Um, happens, you, got, you got DJU coming in from Clemson. Uh, he wasn't fond of what Clemson did offensively and either was Dabo because both those OCs that he had at that time are now gone. Right. They got four of their five offensive linemen back, really good run blocking team. Damian Martinez, really good back almost a thousand yards last year. Schedule is pretty soft. They avoid USC. Um, they get Utah, UCLA and Washington all at home. Yeah. Um, on defense last year, they led the PAC 12 in scoring. They were first in red zone defense in the country. Uh, first in Pac-12 against the run. Um, I like their D-line. They got Kitano Ladapo at free safety. Might be the best player on defense. He's an yeah. NFL prospect. I think they have a chance at 10 wins. 
Now, I'm glad you brought up that exact number, Tyler, because here's the thing that people don't know about the Pac-12. A year ago, five of the teams in the Pac-12 were 10 wins, had 10 wins on the season, and Oregon State was one of them. I I, I just – like, we're going to – Oregon State is, in a way, it's kind of like Mizzou in terms of they're going to get shit on, it seems like, no matter what. You got boat race. I mean, you, you had three losses last year, Tyler, three losses. You got boat race at Utah, right? Who was obviously a very good, a very good team. You lost by three at home to USC, and you lost by three at Washington. You beat Oregon for the second time in three years. The second time in three years you have beaten Oregon. I love that. I like that is something we, like you know, we just don't talk about. Um, I, I think that when you look at the program where it's headed, a lot of this is going to depend on DJU. But that 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 schedule, man. Like, you get Utah in the first half of the year. Maybe Washington State's tricky, but I doubt it because you don't play anybody before them. You get Utah at home at Cal. You're going to beat the shit out of them. You get UCLA at home. Your only road games in the second half of the season are Arizona and Colorado. Yeah. I mean, and then you get Stanford, who's a – they're going to get beat by everybody. You get Washington at home, and then you go at Oregon. I think they happen in a rivalry games. game. Yeah. I think I think they win 10 games. I think they're gonna be really good. Now, switching over to Oregon, um, that's a team that also was 10 and 3 last year, had a fantastic win against North Carolina. Um, in the what do you call it? And really after the Georgia game, was one of the better teams in the country, whether people wanted to admit it or not. Yeah. Um, played yeah, that, that first game was a a disaster. Disaster. Points. Yeah, they they did a they did a poor job of closing out the season. They got up to number six in the country at one point. There was talk about them possibly making the playoff um, because I think they were eight and one. Lose by three to Oregon. I mean, sorry to Washington. Lose by four to Oregon State. Um, one of those games on the road. But man, look at these. Listen to these offensive numbers after they played Georgia. They put up seventy against Eastern Washington, which is nothing, right? But seventy points: 41, 44, 45, 49, 45, 42, 49. So in your next eight games, you put up 40-plus points, and, and you kind of trounced people. I mean, you, you, you really did. Like, I, you know, and it wasn't like they were playing the easiest of schedules. Can Bo Nix do it? Can he, can he stack years? That's the question. Yeah, and anytime he hasn't had Kenny Dillingham as an OC, he hasn't been great. Kenny Dillingham right. off to Arizona State. Um, they bring in the UTSA OC, which UTSA had a good offense. Um, uh, the O-line was really good last year. They only allowed five sacks all season, so I would expect some regression there. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> Troy Franklin, their leading receiver, is back. He's joined by Treshawn Holden, transfer from Bama. Um, the defense wasn't very good last year. They brought in a lot of talent and new players in the portal on defense. So they also brought in a co-DC, Chris mm-hmm. Hampton from Tulane. I, here's the thing about them though their schedule so we already talked about it in our big 12 preview they go to texas tech on september 9th that's not that's not an easy game no it's not and then they have down the stretch at washington at utah usc oregon state in a seven week stretch with no buys that's okay nine and a half is the win total i'm going under on oregon i'm I'm too i'm too And, and 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 i'll tell you another thing too tyler Maybe you win all, all five of those first games because Texas Tech is the only one that's even close to being a, a problem. Yep. 
but I don't see, like Washington. They've owned Washington. They've beaten them. I want to say like 14 out of the last 17 years. Something crazy. Um, but like both of those teams, by the way, coming off a bye. That'll be a lot of fun. Getting like big Bama LSU type vibes there. Um, but yeah, like you said, Washington, like I tell you what's scary more than anything, it's the it's not even it's not even the big ones you would circle at Washington, at Utah, at like um uh, what do you call it? Oregon State at home, USC at home. It's the other ones in between that could be trap games that you don't want to see. I'm not saying they're gonna lose to Arizona State, but you do have the head coach said that was your OC a year ago, and you're playing them in between. USC and Oregon State. You have California. You have Cal in between Utah and USC. You got Washington State between UW and Utah. You're going to lose one of those three games. You're going to, one of those three trap games. You're going to lose. Just and that's what Oregon's Perfect. done like every year. Like I don't. I, I love the under there. I think it's a great thing. All right, let's do two more teams. We'll try to go through them a little quickly since we're already almost at an hour. Oh, sorry. Uh, let's go Washington. Total's nine and a half. Um, so Vegas is expecting big things out of Washington this year. To me, we've already talked about the offense and how good it's going to be this year. Um, they've got they had two thousand yard receivers last year. Rome Adunze and Jalen McMillan. Um, yeah. both of them are back. Cam Davis had at running back had 13 TDs. Um, they had this kid Braylon Trice on D line, which will be a strength oh, of the team. 70 pressures last year led the team. Now that is what? led the nation. 70. That is a real number. I looked it up on PFF. 70 pressures. He got credit for last year. I don't I don't know. Um so if the defense improves this year, um and also one of the questions they have that they replaced three starting interior alignment. So that's gonna be a big what if, but I like Washington a lot this year, man. That Kalen DeBoer is a really good coach. Penix is obviously the perfect match for that offense. I think they're going to be really strong offensively. The defense will improve. I got Washington over nine and a half games. I don't. I just don't want to bet on it. I think they're going to be the most fun team to watch in the country. I th- like whether it's packed with after dark. I think. I think what you're going to get with Washington is a lot of those three thirty starts, seven thirty starts, sun setting, West Coast beautiful scenery you know like like you have you have like the the river that goes right up to the stadium for the tailgating or sailgating whatever you want to call it i can't wait to watch this team also low-key maybe high-key one of the best uh color schemes in the country right yeah um it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch it love the fact their oc is back i hate that he spurned bama but at the same time i kind of understand from both sides especially his why he would like if you're if you're going to coach under Nick Saban, where you're going to be scrutinized beyond belief, or you're going to come back to Washington, where you're going to most likely put up another ridiculous year on offense and get yourself even closer to a head coaching job, if that's what you want to do. With like, I mean, them returning five, their top five pass catchers is craziness, and now they're yeah. all going to be upperclassmen. I think all yeah. but one. Um, so I love that. I think ten wins is, is kind of where I'm at because I just don't. You know, we saw them kind of fall at times last year. Um, they did beat Texas in the bowl game, but like, you know, there were times when they 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 kind of fell apart. Um, we'll we'll see. I, I, my biggest thing is, and we'll talk about Utah now, right? Like that's the yeah. logical next step. Um, we'll back to back Pac-12 champs, man. That and and listen, we talk about this a lot too with 
Bama LSU, Bama Georgia, some of those rematches we've seen, Georgia Auburn 2017. It's hard to beat a team twice. Utah beat the brakes off of USC. I mean, just and beat- Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they beat the brakes off of Oregon twice the year before. Uh yeah. with ball. Really good point. Really I, I actually and they did that within two weeks. Dude, they went 38-7, 38-10 in in two out of three weeks. <laughs> That's crazy. Um I love the fact that how good this team has been consistently. When you look at like over the past last last they've had nine wins or more in four of the last five seasons. They only played five games in the COVID year, so I'm not gonna count that. Um, they've been double digit wins in three in, in the last three real seasons. Um, eleven in twenty nineteen, ten in, in twenty one, and ten in twenty twenty two. This team just always gets disrespected. And they just constantly show up. I mean, they're they're like a stepdad. Just like I mean, you're just constantly disrespected, but they just show up and provide. It just that's all they do. Like they they do a great job. Um, And if we're not counting the COVID year, they haven't lost at home since 2018. That is stupid. Is that real? Yeah. Holy shit. Okay, and their only loss that year at home was against USC, who was ranked. That's it. No, yeah, you're right. They've gone to the Pac-12 title game um, outside of the COVID year. They've gone to the Pac-12 title game. In four of the last five years, the only year they didn't was the was the was the COVID year. So Kyle Whittingham knows how to get to a championship and, and navigate through a season. I will tell you, are they playing divisions this year? I should know this. Uh, yes, I believe. Here's your schedule. Pretty interesting. They they it's not easy, Tyler. They play eleven Power Five opponents. Yeah, because they play Florida and Baylor. Week two and at Baylor. Um, yeah, UCLA. That and and that, that, what really scares me is your two best offensive players, including your most important Cam Rising, are coming off injury. I don't even need, know if Rising is going to be available at the start of the year. Right. So that's what I. That's why I get a little worried betting the total of eight and a half because if he's healthy and the other one is Brant Cuthy, who's their tight end. Oof. Yeah. Um, oh, I could have said it wrong, but. um he's coming off injury as well yeah so i don't know like i love utah i mean seven of their top eight d-line return um but the schedule is really tough uh so i think with the injury concerns i probably would lay off betting it if if you know rising is gonna be healthy i'd go over the the eight and a half the second half is not easy but they do close pretty easy with their schedule they should win at least three of the last they gotta go at washington they gotta go at usc they gotta go at oregon state Here's what I think. I think I'm going to give you a bold prediction here. Okay. Your Pac-12 championship game is Oregon State and Utah. And Oregon State wins the Pac-12. Wow. I I don't wow. want to see it. I, I just I think that like their schedule, as we've talked about with everyone else, they're tougher. They're built better. Now, unless DJU sucks, like if he's off. Yeah. I don't like, see that. I, I don't see that. I think he was just in a bad offense. Yeah, I completely agree. And and so I, but I, I think that you could see like like more than anything. Like I don't feel that bad making that pick because if if the one thing I'm more confident on than anything is that the Pac-12, I don't see anyone in this conference with only. I'll say two. I'll say only one loss after the championship week. But I honestly don't see anybody in this conference going eleven and one in the regular season or twelve and zero. 
I think yeah, everyone. It's, a, it's, 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 a great, it's a great conference, man. It's a really good conference. It's the second best conference on the bottom, I think, in the country. Um, and again, five, t- five, 10 win teams. That's a lot. So that is my pick um, for the Pac-12 champion. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I think Michael Penix is your offensive player of the year. I think he'll be a lot of fun. Dante Moore is going to be your newcomer of the year over there at UCLA. Um, and more than anything, I just think that the Colorado stuff too is is just done by by October. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tough go for them. Um, all right, well, stick around to to the end of this where Chris does an interview with On Three Sports JD Pacquel. Great guy, it sounds like. Yeah. Um. So I'll do the conclusion here. Then you guys stick around for the interview. We appreciate you listening to the show. Uh, really help us it, for the growth of the show. If you guys go and rate us five stars on mm-hmm. Apple and Spotify, leave a review if you can. We'll read the best ones on air. Um, this one from Alex Mason. Great pod. Listen to Marler for years at SDS. Love that it's not like a traditional politically correct podcast. There's nothing worse than the bleep button. Keep it up. Um, Fuck the bleep button. And uh, <laughs> go like and subscribe on our YouTube page uh, so you can get notifications when we go live during the yeah. season. Um, and don't forget to check out the SDS podcast weekly with Connor O'Gara and check out all of our videos and clips from the show. You can find the clips from the show at Sat Down South on Twitter, at Saturday Down South on Instagram and TikTok, and at Saturday Down South One on YouTube. And here's the interview with JD Piquel. Welcome in our good buddy, guy I met for the first time at uh, Media Days in Nashville. J.D. Pickell had been pronouncing your name wrong incorrectly for quite some time. Um, but yeah, from On3Sports, we're glad to have you. How you doing, man? Man, I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, you are definitely not alone in that group of, of mispronouncing. Yeah. Pickell, Pickle, like, call me whatever you want. I'm glad we're talking ball with you, brother, and uh, excited that we are days away now from college football season. It's almost, it's like almost two weeks. I feel like, so what always happens is, I feel like I talked about this with you when we were in Nashville is, it's the slowest off season. It's slow forever. Then you get in this doldrums of like June. Then you get into actual like media days. And after media days, it's like it's rolling. Like it's we're just we're we're it's here. Away. Yeah, without question. Like media days feels like the unofficial kick, and then we get another unofficial kick with fall camp, yeah. and then we get the official kickoff, and it like all just seems like it's rolling right into it. But man, we made it. Is how it feels. We made it. You know, good right. for us. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's get into it, man. We, we talked a little bit, little bit about the Pac-12 on this episode, being my co-host Tyler. You couldn't make it to the interview, but um, we've been previewing the Pac-12. We've been previewing all the conferences leading up to the first week, like you said. I, now, first, first things first, I, I think the Pac-12 has a chance to be potentially the second best conference in the country this year. And I know that the, the Big Ten has got a lot of firepower, especially in Big Ten East. But top to bottom, man, talk me out of, of why this conference is just still steady at three. Because I know it's not the worst Power Five conference anymore at all. And and I don't think they challenge SEC, but where do you see the Pac-12 lining up or, or in, in those five rankings? No, I, th- I mean, I, I think you're on the money. I think you can make a, a very strong case for them being somewhere in that third spot, especially like if you were just to silo off the years, like this upcoming season in the Pac-12, I said it on another radio hit. Like I hope people on the East Coast and the Southeast – stock up on red bull uh monster i'm a big caffeine pills guy as weird as that is to say like, whatever, i mean you just get all the stuff you need keeps you up for pac 12 after dark because like there's going to be a lot of really good college football yeah. happening between the hours of like midnight and 2 a.m eastern i mean right. caleb williams bo nicks michael Penix jr i mean like the quarterback play yeah. in itself it's like hey let's lock in 
let's rally here. We got one more game on the slate here, and it starts at midnight, like right. or I guess ten to ten Eastern. Having yeah. halftime will be around eleven eleven p.m. Eastern. Like, let's go. So I mean, a lot of good ball, and it's also like you said, like there's there's a fair amount of depth there. Like you yeah. could talk me into four different teams all having a chance to win the Pac-12 conference, and maybe even a couple after that for dark horses. So. It's uh, it's going to be wild, but no, I think you're on the money with the depth and the talent in that conference. Probably deserves a little more respect than it gets nationally. I just, I want you to know, I really, really want to unpack the caffeine pill thing, but we're not going to. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Next June. Next June, we'll do it. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. Uh, no, but so you said, you said there's four teams we can talk you into. I kind of think there's five. Anybody that knows me on this podcast knows that my ex is an Oregon State grad, so we don't talk about Oregon State that much, but I feel like the Beavs are going to be pretty good this year, and I, it's hard for me to think that they're like not going to challenge people. You saw what they did last year against USC. They beat Oregon. They beat Oregon, too, the last three years. I Tell me where you think – you don't have to give me a prediction on who wins the conference right, right now. We'll do, it, like, do that a little bit later. But like just stacking up, everyone seems to think it's just USC. I wouldn't be surprised if USC is third in this conference at the end of the year. No, I mean, without a doubt, like the margins are, are so thin. Um, and also, what do these defenses look like? Like Oregon really struggled on the back end last year in the secondary. I mean, Washington struggled in the secondary. So if somebody decides they want to play defense this year and some of those portal guys that Oregon added end up, you know, panning out how they hope they do, like the Ducks going to be a problem. But no, what yeah. you said about Oregon State, the the enormous question mark for them is DJ Uyunglele. Like, what, does he live up to that five-star billing that we saw from him out of high school and one of the things that's so fascinating, I think, about that situation, like if he ends up leading them to a Pac-12 title, even just a Pac-12 title appearance, yeah. then we talk about what happened at Clemson completely differently. Then we look back and say, oh, my gosh, they mismanaged him. He wasn't yep. put in position to succeed. Like the whole narrative around DJU could flip in a drastic way this upcoming season. So um, he's a guy that I pull for. I mean, he's from Southern California. He's mm -hmm. getting back you know, closer to home. You just wonder if maybe that that changes it because I mean their identity under Jonathan Smith is just rock so solid. I mean it kind of reminds you of like Utah Junior if that's even something to like say that. on this. Like they yeah. kind of know who they are. They're kind of built the same way, but plug in a quarterback. A lot of sister man. wives. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but that's, I, I love that comp. I really love that comp because Utah. Like and here's the thing too. Year in and year out, Utah is like I always say they're like South Carolina on steroids because it's like. I will sit here and say nonstop, I don't see Beamer winning more than seven games. I don't see South Carolina doing this. Like, like because the schedule is so tough. And then you look up and he's, you know, out outdone all of his expectations again. Utah does the same thing every year, but it's just steady. It, they are so steady and competitive and they're tough. And that's the kind of football I think Oregon State played a lot last year. Um, there was a quote today from Bear Alexander, the former Georgia uh, defensive tackle that went out to L.A. for, I think, a new apartment and some cash which is whatever, okay? Yeah. We're allowed to do that now. Um, I don't know if you saw what he said. I, I, I think there's a difference between hyping up your teammates and kind of talking about, you know, what um, what's going on this season and, and not trying to throw shade at Georgia and saying that they're just as tough on the defensive line as Georgia was. But my main question is, we saw that defense get torched. I, I think it would have been – we saw what Georgia did at TCU in L.A. It would have been worse, I think possibly to at least on offense, what they would have done to USC. Do you think that defense improves at all? I think they have to, I mean, just from a personnel standpoint, they've really upgraded. So, I mean, just from a pure Jimmy's and Joe's perspective, whereas we sit right now in August, like yeah. they're going to be better set up for success. I mean, talking to people that cover USC pretty closely, the most interesting thing to me 
was, you know, in fall camp, you hear a lot about who won the practice, whether mm-hmm. offense won or defense won. And they're not keeping score officially, but everybody kind of knows walking out right. of that, like, hey, they got the better on that day. And, and he said, hey, I think the defense has won the last two practices, which is saying something with Caleb Williams, at quarterback, and all of the monsters that are on that roster <laughs> offensively for USC. So yeah. I think personnel-wise, you feel good. Buzz, you feel good. I mean, my big question, and I hate to just – continue to dunk on this guy because it seems like everybody likes to just line him up in the paint and just tomahawk dunk on him but I mean Alex Grinch like this really is the year where you have a generational talent at quarterback you've got no more excuse now personnel wise on defense but you have a defensive line like are we schematically in a good spot and also are we doing the things in practice to be in position to succeed on game day because I mean you mentioned it last year they missed over I mean, they missed, I think, over 150 tackles. That's insane. Over, I mean, that's yeah. ridiculous. And, like, yeah. some of that is, you know, being able to, to finish through, and, it, and it's a player thing. But also, I'm like, during the week, if you're responsible for us executing on game day, like, we need to probably change something we're doing in practice, whether right. we're, we're going live up here during the week. Maybe we're wrapping up a little bit more aggressively. Like, whatever it is, we right. have to have something in place to where we're not missing 150 tackles like that that just can't be something you totally blame the players for so yeah. defense should be better will they be better than georgia or as good as georgia like barry alexander said uh that <laughs> feels, a, feels a little bit rich to me yeah i agree with that um all right before we talk about colorado because we're gonna have to talk about colorado right and then yeah, we're gonna yeah, get into yeah. some sec stuff and, and get you out of here but like there's a story that happened last year that was one of my favorite things that's happened in college football. And as a Bama guy, the self-admitted Alabama fan, all that kind of stuff, I enjoyed the Bo Nix era at Auburn. I enjoyed it immensely. because, And I know he even had a win against Bama. But the ups and downs, I mean, it was just a toxic relationship like no other between that fan base and the coaching staff and him. He goes out to Oregon. He has a year with Kenny Dillingham, uh, I believe last year, right? And then he goes he goes in under year one, Dan Lanning. You, you have an offensive line that gave up like five sacks the entire year, which is insane. But it was a transformation probably more than we've seen in any other player in the country last year. Going into his second year at, at, at Oregon, are you a believer that that continues to happen? Because there is more depth in the conference, but he made so many strides last year in his game. Do you think that continues where it was a year ago or maybe even improves on? Yeah, you know, I think it does. I think the the interesting thing with now switching OCs is something to watch for. The most, I think, encouraging thing for me that I saw last year from Bo Nix that we didn't see at Auburn was a little bit more of, oh, okay, this is why he was what he was as a recruit. Right. Um, Because there was so much, like you said, so much up and down. There was good Bo, there was bad Bo, but to see him do it for a 12-game stretch and be like, no, actually, you you are a really good quarterback. Like, maybe it's the fresh start. Maybe it's being in a new system or a system that I guess he was previously in with Kenny Dillingham and got back into that system. But right. I, I think just being able to get away from what had gone on at Auburn, I, I would have to imagine was, was big for him. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, another thing too, is we, we kind of saw him grow up in, in front of the entire country. Like he didn't right. get that red shirt year where he could kind of, you know, make the mistakes behind the scenes and in practice or on scout team. It was like, hey, dude, game one, you're a starter. We got Oregon. Best of luck. And like, right. in Dallas, credit to him. Exactly. And I mean, credit to him. He handled that spotlight and, and grew up. But I mean, I think just you probably have a lot of voices around you telling you what you can and can't do. And I think for him to get somewhere new and have some success, I think that does wonders for his confidence. And yeah. um, I think he'll he'll kind of pick up to a degree where he left off last year. You know what sucked too about about the Bo Nick situation was I I knew this was happening when it happened. I remember sitting on the podcast, the old podcast I had with Connor O'Gara, a good buddy, 
uh, at SDS. I remember talking to him about who's going to win the quarterback battle going into that fall, I think going in 2019. And he was convinced it was Malik Willis. And I was like, Malik Willis is not going to be a part of this. And then I, you know, and then whoever Joey Gatewood, I think was still on the team. And I remember I kept saying, I was like, Bo Nix is going to be the starter because I think that Gus is going to like hitch his wagon to him to like strictly because if he doesn't win this year in 2019, he has an excuse. I had a freshman quarterback. Just give me time with this, blah, blah. And that's how it pans out. Like this kid, he kind of got put through the ringer down there at Auburn. And and I, I think the fresh start, like you said, is, is a really, really good point. Um, seamless transition to another fresh start that I just have zero desire to talk about, but we're going to talk about it. Coach Prime at Colorado. Like it's going to be exciting, right? It's going to be exciting. Oh, gosh. But if I see RJ Young pop up in my feed one more time telling me that, that Colorado is a top 20 program, I'm going to walk out of traffic because I just – I can't get behind it. I can't get behind it. I always say this. Listen, JD, you're a better person than me. We all know that. But, like, <laughs> I'm going to say this. Like, if we're going to talk about sports, we're going to do it in reality. And I don't feel like Colorado is a team that in, in being an objective and real, with all those transfers and everything, the line – I think the over-under for their wins is three and a half. How good – can this team be and and like what are your expectations of it i think expectations wise if you were to put a win total to it i would probably put them somewhere around that four win mark yeah uh people saying that they're gonna be a pac-12 title contender that would surprise me greatly I, mm-hmm. I do not buy that by any stretch of the imagination but the most fascinating thing to me about colorado is we just we have no comp for what they were last year because none of those guys are there anymore yeah. Like a lot of a lot of time we go, okay, well, they won this many games last year. They made some portal moves, new staff. We can kind of try and like get in range of what we think they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Like this is just a brand spanking new team that's rolling out game one for Colorado. Right. And so, I mean, the, the first part of the schedule isn't kind. They got to play TCU and they also got to play Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska's not going to be a world beater, but that's still not, you know, necessarily a game you want to draw early in the schedule right. where you're trying to get your sea legs. I mean, I, I've always said, and I think a lot of people probably share this opinion. Like, I think it just comes down to Shadur Sanders because yeah. if he can be on the ball early, that's going to kind of be the dry eraser for a lot of stuff that I would imagine will take yeah. some time to kind of gel. Like the offensive line, if Shadur Sanders is on point, knows where he's going with the football, great. Mm-hmm. We don't have to hold our block for two and a half seconds. We got one second, ball is out. So, I mean, it all starts and ends with him. Yeah. Um, I think for Coach Prime, a lot of what we can expect or our, our opinions, I think we should probably hold those loosely until we get to year three, because okay. this is just unprecedented yeah. in every sense of the word. Like we, we have nothing else to compare this to. So uh, like you said, I'm, I'm buckled in. I got my popcorn. I got my blue icy. Like I always get every single movie and uh, it's going to be a good time. <laughs> a big cherry Coke guy. Yeah, let me ask really? You, okay. Yeah, this, is, this is a little bit different than like, it has nothing with football. Tell me if I'm crazy about this. I was talking to this this person the other day, this girl about about going to the movies, or whatever. And she was like, "What's your favorite okay. movie?" Flight and I was like, I like it. Flight Flex. It's not like that. It was. Um, no. So it's <laughs> like, but I, I made this comment. I was like, "Yeah, I feel like I only get Cherry Coke at the movie theater because like I was like kind of poor growing up. So in my mind, I was like, Cherry Coke is a rich person's drink. So you only get that at the movie theater. Am I crazy for that? Because she hasn't talked to me since. That's a joke. Uh, I don't, I don't think you're crazy for that at all because it, it was kind of this like I, – because I, I remember too like Cherry Coke being – I don't know if I thought of it as a rich person's drink, but it was definitely something that was like off the beaten path. And it was yeah. like you, you got to kind of have something going on. You got to have right. an it factor to drink Cherry Coke. Like, you got to go out of your way to find Cherry Coke. Yeah. like and, and th- I mean I'm from a family that you only get Sprite if like you're sick. 
Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like that, that was how we rolled growing up. So, I mean, I'm, I'm in the same thought process. Like, yeah, cherry Coke's probably an elitist drink. If I had to be real. Yeah, probably so. I was saying it purely to impress her. That was the thing. It was like, it wasn't, it wasn't anything more than that. Like she was just talking about a date. I was like, I'm not taking it to a nice restaurant, but I'll tell you what I will do. Buy myself a large <laughs> cherry Coke. So, um, all right, let's get you out of here. A couple of questions. And, and I really appreciate the time, man. It's been great. 100%. Um, so we talked about the Pac-12, all that kind of stuff. Just like wrap around going around like the country okay give me a couple of teams that we're just not talking enough about you can do it like one from maybe not all not every conference maybe like three to five of the power five conferences give me one from the sec big 10 and pac 12 if you can sec big 10 pac 12 man i mean in, in the big 10 i think there's there's not enough buzz around wisconsin yes. um i mean i think it, it's it's kind of lame because you're like pick a dark horse and then everybody else is kind of pick wisconsin as a dark horse i think they're one to watch I mean, gosh, if they put it together, man. And also, I mean, Purdue, they won the Big Ten West at eight and four last year. And I'm looking at Wisconsin's schedule and I'm like, you can't go eight and four with that. Like you can't yeah. you can't find a way to win eight ball games and get to Indy. So, I mean, them, I'll, I'll give you one more. It's a little more off the beaten path in the Big Ten. I think Purdue with Hudson Card, wow. uh, big question mark. I don't know if they make a ton of noise in the Big Ten, but they're one that I think could be kind of intriguing. Uh, in the SEC, man, Kentucky, like Devin Leary yeah. can spin the rock. And spend the rock, and I mean yeah. they they did a lot for them on the offensive line. Like everybody was so in love with Will Levis, and he puts yeah. mayonnaise in his coffee. He's a psychopath. He's got big biceps. Like Devin Leary's best season at NC State was worlds better than Will Levis's yep. best season at Kentucky going into the year. So I'm like, let's give him some more love. They got like some freak shows at wide receiver. Let's let's feed mm -hmm. them a little bit more. Kentucky. I don't Cohen's think they back. win in the SEC. Say it again. Cohen's back. Yeah, Cohen's back. Like, I think they're in position to do some good, some good stuff. Uh, man, in, in the uh, in the Pac-12, or you can go, you can go Big Twelve if you want. Either way, it's about you know, the, the Big Twelve. I mean, I, I love Texas Tech. I mean, I just oh. I, I gotta I gotta crush on on Texas Tech. I think okay. Zach Kitley is a, a head coach just waiting to happen. I mean, they bring back I think like seventy five percent production from an offense that scored over thirty points a game last year. All like, eleven starters. I mean, they got some dudes now. They got some dudes. Taj Brooks is like a, a smooth, like 5'9", 230, just coming downhill at you. I don't know if those are his real measurables, but like dude's got a low center of gravity yeah. and he, he's not going down easy. Uh, like vintage Mike Hart, if you will. Ooh, uh, okay. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's really the comp you go with, but like similar kind of run style there. So yeah. I'm excited to see what they do. I think they'll be balanced. And uh, it's kind of one of those teams between them and a team like Kentucky. Like, I don't know if they end up winning the conference straight up, but they're right. going to be one of those teams that you talk about, like, late October, November. Oh, man, if so-and-so had just right. beaten Texas Tech. If so-and-so had just gotten past Kentucky and not slipped in that game, they're playing for a conference title. So, I mean, a lot of, a lot of teams to watch out there, man. It feels like yeah. there's a lot of crowded conference races, uh, maybe more so than in years past. I, I kind of think everything you just said about Kentucky about or, or Texas Tech, like, oh, if so-and-so wouldn't have slipped up against them, that's Maryland for me in the Big Ten. I just yes. think they're going to jump up and get somebody with year three under Loxley. I just I think it's year three with him. Um, I'm a big believer in that offense. All right, last question. This is going to be totally selfish, but I don't care. You're such a positive guy, okay? Like, I, I, I love following you on social media. I love talking to you. You always hype me up. You make me, like, you just like, bring up my spirits, okay? I hope that's okay to say, but you, you're just such a positive 100%. dude. So I need you to do one thing for me, okay? Call that girl about the cherry coke for one. No, I'm kidding. I need what I need <laughs> you to do. What I need you to do is tell me why Alabama wins the SEC 
or the national championship. Just, I just like in some hypothetical world, just, just gas me up. In a hypothetical world, okay, if Alabama so. were to win the national title, a couple of things would have had to happen. Is am I going the right way so far? Are we are yeah, we in the same? Great. Okay, man, I think you hit on it in, in a big way on Ty Simpson. Um, mm. He's who I think will eventually start for them. And some of it is like, hey, the unknown is undefeated. We we we've seen Jalen Milrow. We've seen right. Tyler Buckner. We don't. We haven't really seen Ty Simpson. Um, I mean, he he was a top three quarterback in his class for us here at on three coming out. Like, yeah. you could spin the rock. Um, they think Malik Benson, as you probably know, is just a dude for them on the outside. Right. Um, I, I mean, there's so much made about the offensive line. Like, I I really think that offensive line is going to just be moving people ridiculous like yeah. the, and, it's, and it's fun to say like murder ball and like all the yeah. tags I'm, I'm cool i'm down with that but like i think in actuality like we're gonna get to saturday's gonna be like no no no, for real like they are moving the line of scrimmage on your television consistently right. and so if they do that um and they can get some explosivity from ty simpson they're gonna be a team that's balanced and i think they're gonna be you know one of those teams that we got to talk about when it comes to that college football playoff race. So I mean I'm I'm actually I'm very high on Alabama. I think Alabama kind of gets a bad rap right now. Yeah. Uh, if if you swap jerseys with I don't know, let's say you you throw Florida State jerseys on on Alabama's roster. A lot of people are like, "Oh, wow. That team they they could really make some noise." And instead right. it's Alabama, so we're grading them on the Bama curve, but yeah. no, I mean I I don't think it is nearly as irresponsible as a lot of people would would lead you to believe. All right, well, I put a $75,000 bet on them today to win $300 against Michigan. Yeah, I saw that. Good for you, man. Hey, congrats. Yeah. Um, a lot all of right, cherry dude, Coke. You can buy a lot of cherry That's Coke. a lot of cherry Coke. Yeah. Tell everyone where they can find you. We'll have to do this again during the season, man. We really appreciate it. No doubt, man. It's always, I mean, I love that we finally got to, to get connected here and do some content. But no, I mean, anywhere you consume podcast or video, you can find the hard count. I mean, the author YouTube channel, you can go ahead and take the Twitter fingers and make them podcast fingers and type in the hard count with JD Pacal on Apple or Spotify, wherever. But uh, yeah, man, this is a blast. Y'all have a phenomenal operation here. And anytime I can come on, man, I'm, I'm jumping at it. We appreciate it, dude. We'll talk to you soon.